I'm switching everything over now. Okay. Go ahead, Chair. We are live. Okay. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Thursday, October 13th, 2022 meeting of the Alameda Rec and Park Commission. I am the new chair, Tara Navarro, and we will start by taking roll. Uh, uh, Commissioner Wen. Here. Commissioner Jones. Here. Vice Chair Alexander. Here. And Chair Navarro. Present. <clears throat> and uh, Chair uh, Robbins uh, is out sick today and has an excuse absence. Okay, uh, let's see. So the first order of business is the approval of the minutes from the, the September 8th, 2022 meeting of the commission. Can I get a motion to approve the minutes? I motion to approve the minutes from last month. Moved by Commissioner Nguyen. Can I get a second? I'll second. Right. Seconded by Commissioner Alexander. Uh, can I roll call vote, please? Uh, Commissioner Wynn. Yes. Commissioner Jones. Yes. Vice Chair Alexander. Yes. And Chair Navarro. Yes. Uh, Chair, you are I ended up on mute. There you go. All right, the next order of business is the presentation of any written and oral communications to the commission on matters that are not on tonight's agenda. Do we have anyone presenting public comments? Uh, so I don't have any written. Uh, anyone who is attending, if you'd like to speak on a non-agenda item, please raise your virtual hand. I do not have any speakers. No comment, we're going to move on to the Report from the director of the Rep and Park. Amy? Great, thank you. And you might hear some weird noises in the background. I have a new puppy and a 13 year old boy playing. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, I wanted to start with, with a huge appreciation to um, Vice Chair Adrienne Alexander. She just completed her, her chairpersonship, being chair for a couple of years. Um, I presented her in person with with a little um, trophy is the wrong word. I'm not thinking of the right word, but you know, a nice little um, memento thanking her for her years of, years of service. And just, I want to personally thank you, Adrian, for for just the commitment and and the support you've given me through this, and and all of your commitment years to ARPD. And you really stepped this up as chair and just brought a whole level of professionalism to the commission and put a lot of work into making sure you knew everything that was going on and, and preparing for the meetings. And um, I just really appreciate everything that you did uh, as chair. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Director Orwich. I appreciate that. Um, I think you would describe it as a beautiful paperweight that's engraved. There you go. Get it and show you, I'm sorry. Um, it's a beautiful paperweight. It has a blue wave in it with a nice inscription. So that was a, a big surprise when I was up at the office the other day. You know, I've enjoyed my time on the Rec Commission. I became chair a little earlier than I expected to be, but um, I enjoyed my job. I tried to do my best, do my homework every week. Um, 
just love working with ARPD staff. As I said, I started working with ARPD 50 years ago. It's kind of mind boggling to think that. Um, I'm delighted to be the vice chair and I'm anxious to see the wonderful job that Chair Navarro is going to do. So thank sure. you. Oh, here. See my little, it's a little blue paperweight. Very it has cool. a little scription on it. Kind of hard to see, but it's beautiful. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, so for my director's report, um, for recreation services, for our aquatics, um, all of our uh, aquatics were canceled at Emma Hood for the month of September due to a pump repair issue, um, but they are now back in session uh, as of uh, last week. At Ensignal Swim Center, the heater is broken and Alameda Unified School District anticipates it'll take several months before it's replaced. Um, this only affects the large pool, which is used for lap swim and AUSD AUS teams and user groups. Some of them are still swimming. It's at about 72 degrees. Uh, it's fairly chilly, um, but swim lessons are continuing in the small pool. Um, and I, I just want to know, this AUSD, the school district, uh, is responsible for all maintenance and repair of both swim centers. They've been very good about communicating with us, and they're doing their best to um, get the repairs done. Uh, the Alameda Point Gym uh, is fully booked this fall. Uh, it, we got way more requests than we had space for. Uh, it's primarily uh, really booked uh, all with school and local nonprofit youth basketball and volleyball teams. Um, the Alameda Youth Committee has been working diligently on the Teen Haunted House. That is coming up on October 28th to 30th. The theme this year will be creature, feature, movies, and shows. Um, it's at South Shore again, uh, and it's located in the former Carter storefront. Um, it's fantastic. I really highly recommend everybody check it out. Uh, the teens, they come up with the, the theme, they come up with all of the costumes and the sets, and they put it all together, and then they act in it, and it really is um, an awesome experience. Um, also, ARPD staff, we're holding our 17th annual pumpkin decorating contra contest at all of our programs, our, our Tiny Tots and our wrap after-school programs, and then we'll have pictures of them online. Uh, and everyone will be able to vote on their favorite creation. They come up with some really creative stuff. So uh, check it out on our website soon. Uh, we're also continuing to hire people. So if you know anyone interested, especially on nights and weekends as facility attendants and park ambassadors. Um, uh, Mastic Senior Center, the, the, they're having their thrift shop jewelry sale on Saturday, October 22nd from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then they have an Air Force band concert on Friday, October 28th uh, at 12 o'clock. It's free. And it's a performance by the U.S. Air Force Band of the Golden West, which is a professional music ensemble. So I expect that will be great. So you can just drop in for that. Um, also, we're working hard to um, add evening classes now for Mastic Senior Center. Um, we haven't had those really in, in a, uh, it's a brand new program for us. And, you know, we serve, Mastic serves folks 50 and, uh, and younger, uh, but yeah, 50 and better. And, um, and so we're trying to expand more into evenings because there's plenty of people who are 50 and older who uh, are continuing to work. I and mean, then we still want to make sure we're serving them. So we've added a fitness with Kendra, uh, which is on Tuesdays uh, from 5 to 6 p.m., which is a full body workout. And we've also added on Tuesdays yoga for bone health. Um, so uh, some great activities for, for anyone 50 plus. Uh, in terms of park maintenance division, uh, we had Scout Julia Carvalho. 
she earned her Eagle Scout status. Uh, she painted the park maintenance building at Franklin Park and did a fantastic job for her project. Um, if you've had a chance to go by Lincoln Park, uh, the playground is, is being built as we speak. Uh, the park staff, our own park staff installed the lion. There's a lion out front because that's their mascot, the Lincoln Lions, um, and it's a jungle theme. And the playground is approximately 50% complete and we expect full, full completion by the end of October. <clears throat> so we are planning a grand opening uh, for some time in November and I'll let you know when that is. Uh, so we're very excited. That's been a long, the community's been waiting for that uh, very patiently. Um, we also, for our park tree maintenance, we've shifted how we do that now. Uh, we're now following a five zone schedule, which is similar to how Public Works manages their trees in the right-of-way. So what that means is um, trees would be maintained per zone and, so, and trimmed every five years. So each year, uh, our tree contractor works on all the trees in that, in that particular zone for the year. Uh, previously, what we did is trees were trimmed really more ad hoc in a lot of ways um, when it was deemed necessary by um, our park maintenance staff or by the um, tree contractor. And so this is a much better system. So we know every tree is trimmed appropriately every five years. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, our park maintenance staff, um, they're continuing to do some great improvement projects in house to make our parks better. Uh, recently, if you get a chance to go to Longfellow Park, they completed installation of a gravel play area um, with two diggers for little kids. Um, and it's a, it was in an unused area near the picnic tables and the playground. Um, and it's a great little amenity for, for kids there to enjoy. Um, we did gravel because we're trying to move away from sand. Sand tends to be less hygienic because cats like to use it as their litter box and, and, it, and uh, gravel is much more hygienic, but still super fun for kids to dig in. Uh, we completed the Washington Park Tennis Court resurfacing and the installation of LED lights there. Um, next up is uh, the court surfacing at Cruzy and Franklin. So we're working on that. Um, the Encinal boat ramp docks, you may recall, uh, about a year ago were damaged significantly in a major storm that had six foot swells. Um, and it, it, due to all of the supply chain and <clears throat> such delays from the pandemic, it took longer than we had hoped but they now have been installed. It's uh, completely repaired docks, a brand new gangway. Um, and uh, actually some changes were made to, so that they can better absorb um, bigger swells uh, in the future. Um, another scout, Ryan Liu, this came before you. Um, he is in the process of installing his solar walk signage along Shoreline Trail that, that this commission approved. Um, with a sun sign located near the um, Bay Farm Bridge and a Neptune Planet sign located near the ferry terminal. So you'll see him out there starting to uh, install those, but he's got the signs in hand. He's very excited to get those done over the next couple weekends. Um, Alameda Landing Waterfront Park, uh, the developer anticipates opening that very soon, later this month. Uh, we will do a grand opening um, but it'll be a little bit later uh, because there's other phases coming in. One is uh, the dock. Uh, will be coming and then a second phase. And so those will be coming fairly soon after the opening of the first phase. So we're gonna wait for that and then we're gonna do uh, a fantastic big grand opening for that park. Uh, some last few items, the Sweeney Park uh, Trail Connector Project. Uh, we're working through that. And what that is, is it's funded by the ACTC, the Alameda County Trans uh, Transportation Commission, and it's going to connect 
the cross Alameda Trail through Sweeney to 8th Street, Wood Street, and then two northern connectors through the business park that connect to Challenger and Triumph. So I've mentioned it before, just want to let you know it's, it's continuing to move along. Um, there was some delay to address soil conditions there, but the 65% plans uh, have been submitted to city staff and construction is anticipated in uh, the first quarter of 2023. Um, it's important to note that on October 18th, the city, I will be taking the City Aquatic Center uh, to City Council. Um, this will be uh, a big vote for them. It's really, I'm asking a final yes or no uh, of whether or not council wants to move forward with the City Aquatic Center. If yes, what that location would be, um, similar to as what you uh, discussed last month, um, I am I did include your recommendation of Sweeney Park um, and then discussion about how they would like to fund it. So that is coming before City Council on October 18th. Um, also coming before Council on November 1st is your recommended park names for Alameda Point Waterfront, Neighborhood Parks, and Alameda Landing Waterfront Park. Um, <clears throat> We had a huge success this weekend with Alameda Pride. Um, there were events all throughout the weekend and then Pride in the Park on Saturday at Chichenio Park had an estimated 3000 people in attendance. A lot of positive comments, a lot of great feedback about the event. I was there all day um, and it just, people were super positive. It was a great vibe at the event and everybody was just so appreciative that we were having uh, a Pride event for LGBTQI. Uh, plus people. Uh, we are also currently hiring the Recreation Services Manager position. That's a position that will um, is between my position and the managers, the division managers. Um, we have an excellent candidate pool and we anticipate hiring a new person uh, by the end of this calendar year. Um, also just want you to know that it's an ongoing issue, an ongoing thing that we are working with uh, unhoused individuals in our parks. Um, most of the time we can work together with them and it's not an issue. Um, sometimes uh, there's issues that rise to the level that, that, that we need to work with police department and other departments. Um, I do sit on a, a social services team with other departments that meet uh, bi-monthly uh, with community development, public works, police department, uh, we also have a mobile outreach. The city has a mobile outreach team staffed by, now by Village of Love. And so whenever we see someone who's unhoused in a park, we send the mobile outreach team to connect them with services um, and then help them move along where, where possible and feasible. Um, two other community events I wanted to mention to you. I already mentioned the Teen Haunted House. We also have a pumpkin patch pool party. This is the second one. We did one last year that was really really popular despite a huge downpour. Um, it's October 30th at Emma Hood Swim Center. It, re registration is required, so check that out on the website. And then we have our annual holiday boutique, and the proceeds of this all fund the Leisure Club, which is for adults with developmental disabilities, um, and that is, uh, it's all hand craft, handmade crafts, and that's November 5th through 6th at the Oak Club. And that concludes my report. Thank you very much. Um, were there any questions from any commissioners of what was presented? I, I do have one question, and maybe I missed this. Um, was there any update 
from the time we talked about it last about the feasibility of the BMX. I think that one there was an exploration utility. About the BMX park? Yes. Um, we did receive, we recently received the feasibility report. I'm going through it. Um, I will bring to you uh, a full re report on your November meeting. Um, and so that is on the agenda. And, um, but it, it definitely is feasible there. That's the great news. Um, I think we really just as a group need to talk about um, next steps and what, what that will look like. Uh, next up on the agenda item is reports from individual commissioners. Um, would anyone like to go first or should I select? Commissioner Nguyen. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I've been spending some time at the Little John Park. Um, I did notice, and I think this is probably for Director Woolridge, um, I, don't, I think it was a few months ago, but it looks like it's still boarded, that building. I don't know if that's part of our um, Parks and Rec, but that building right next to the, um, the Jungle Gym area is still boarded up. So I'm not really sure if you can share um, kind of what's next steps or what happened with that. Um, but the other thing was, um, also, I, I did like when I visited, I think it was Estuary Park, there was another volleyball net. I didn't realize you added, added one over there. So I think it was really nice to see an addition from the west side. And then I know you've already added one for, I think it was Godfrey Park on, on Bay Farm. So I appreciate seeing those two volleyball nets added for those who are interested in, in playing. Um, Sweeney Park, um, I've also visited, and I think in the previous um, reports, um, Dr. Uh, Director Woolridge, you mentioned that they added some um, drought-resistant plants, so it was nice to kind of see that in play, and then I also got to see the rock structure that you've been um, talking about, so I saw a lot of kids just moving that around, and I think that was a really great addition to the park. Um, and then another thing was I, I did notice um, a couple of parks, Sweeney, and then I, there was one park, I can't, I was trying to look on the map to identify the name, but it's in between Little John and um, Thompson Field, the, kind of in the back. I, I did notice a number of different unhoused individuals there. Um, so I appreciate hearing that Director Woolridge is on that and, and kind of working with them to you know, figure out uh, next steps on that situation. But um, I'm excited to go to this haunted house where you can see the flyer here that they've put together. So I'm excited to go to this. So I'll probably share in my next month report um, how that goes, but um, pretty fun this this month. So that's it for me. Great. And I'm sorry, I had a technical thing. Well, you had a question at the beginning about some plywood somewhere. I missed that. Yes, it was at Little John Park. Um, I know every time I've been there for the past few months, it's just been boarded up. So I'm not sure if there's like a, fi like a fire that went oh, on. I think yeah. I remember you saying that a few months ago, but I um, didn't pull up my notes to when I was there. Sure, yes, the, the Recreation Center at Little John, there was an arson. And um, so thank you, I, I didn't, I forgot to put it on my list. That's a great reminder. Um, it is out to bid right now for construction. And so we anticipate that construction will start uh, end of January, February. And uh, the goal is to get it completed before summer starts. That's, that's been our, our very strong request of public works that it be done by uh, end of May so that we can hold summer programs in there. And we are working closely with, I meet regularly with Alacosta, which is um, a nonprofit for youth with developmental disabilities, they, that was their main location that they 
um, served youth from, and so they are interested in coming back in. So they've been tracking the progress of that as well. And yes, um, McKinley Park is, the, I think, the one that you were mentioning next to Thompson Field. Uh, got it. It's kind of like near by Clement area is kind of in mm -hmm. the background. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I didn't see the, I don't think I saw the the name of the park or maybe I, I just missed it. Um, but actually just going back, sorry, um, really quickly to the Little John Park. I did notice that there was lining of the soccer field. Is that a new thing? And I know that there's soccer um, goals, if you will, but um, I saw, I noticed that this past month. So I thought that was really nice addition if that was a request from someone. So, yeah, I mean, we have such, such high demand for fields that sometimes if a, if a baseball field is not being used um, and there's a higher demand for soccer, sometimes we'll line the outfield of a baseball field with a soccer field for, for smaller kids. So that's what you're seeing over there. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Jones, would you like to report? Thank you. Um, I didn't get a chance to uh visit any parks last month. Um, but I do want to echo um, Commissioner uh, Wynn's sentiment about unhoused people in at the same park, McKinley Park. I had a couple of friends who had mentioned that to me and wanted me to, you know, convey concern to uh, to the uh, for the purpose of this this call. Um, so I, you know, I understand that there are things being done about that. Um, but with that, how are, what, what are the, I apologize, my daughter's coming in with her dog and my dog's going crazy. Um, what, what do we do in those situations? And I'm going to mute for it, not to disrupt. You're on mute, Director Woodridge. Sorry, can you repeat your question? I, I keep getting distracted by technical issue text. I just wanted to know what the, the uh, if there's a process that uh, we're to follow if we're asked about um, unhoused indigent people in our parts. Do we just have the, our community and our neighbors call ARPD, what, what, is there a process or? Um, there is, there is a, there's, there's two. In fact, what I'll do is I'll look it up right now. I don't know it off the top of my head. There is a, a homeless hotline for Alameda. Um, I'll look it up right now during another report. Um, you also can call 211 to report, um, but the homeless hotline is a great way to, to report that when people see uh, unhoused individuals. Thank you. Here we go. It's 510-522-4663, or you can Google Alameda Homeless Hotline and that will get it to you to it also. And that's where you can report uh, it, homeless individuals and we'll send out uh, the, the homeless liaison officers and the mobile outreach team. Excellent, thank you. And Vice Chair Alexander, would you like to, you. Would you like to report? Thank you, Chair Navarro. Um, I went down to Lincoln Park to look at the new construction. It's fabulous. 
I took several pictures and sent them to some of my friends who were directors back in the day, and they think that line is absolutely fabulous. Can't wait to see it finished. Um, I've had a couple of people inquire about pickleball courts. And as I've said to them, we've talked about it many times here um, at the recreation meetings and just wish there was, you know, a lot more money in town where we could uh, just build those pickleball courts. But um, I tell them to keep calling in and voice their opinions and that we're still working on it. I know staff is working on it down at the ARPD offices. Um, I want to thank Juan. I know he's got his recreation bus out. He and I chatted uh, yesterday. I brought him some new books for the rec van, and he's really excited about um, the kids that are coming this year, and I hopefully can get there in two weeks for um, their next visit. Um, uh, we took a visit to Woodstock Park to see all the new windows in and the beautiful building painted and was quite dismayed to walk in and see the back of the building all graffitied. I know that um, that's a continuing issue in the parks and I just, I'm really sad to see that, that um, we're putting a lot of efforts into building these parks up, making them look good for all parts of the community. And to see the graffiti was really um, disheartening. Um, my husband and I donated a picnic table at the new picnic area at Woodstock, and that was also vandalized. So it was just kind of a disheartening day, but I know that Matt Nolan and his staff went down and took good care of that right away. So I just wanna thank them for always being on top of that. Um, I had a chance to go out on the bay to try to watch the Blue Angels. And it was interesting to take a boat around the Navy base now and to see our parks from a different angle. I have a beautiful picture of the sculpture there at Sea Plain Lagoon Park. And looking at what's going to come after that from the angle of the water was really unique. I mean, it's kind of cool looking at it from sitting on the, on the you know, um, there at the base, but seeing it from the water is really different. So I'm really excited to see those projects continued. I did stop by Little John Park and got out and looked at the building again that see that there really wasn't a lot of progress made. It was kind of sad that it's gonna take so long to get that finished, but I know staff's working hard on that. Um, and that's about all I have to report. And Commissioner Wynn, when we were in Santa Barbara recently, there were 26 volleyball nets on the beach. I counted them. And I have noticed driving around town that people have their own at Franklin Park. They have them at uh, Tillman Park um, and a couple other parks I saw. So people are bringing their portable ones. But I, I just I thought of you when I saw all of those volleyball nets on the beach. So thank you. OK, thank you, Commissioner Alexander. Uh, I'll go ahead and present. Uh, I have not been up to much in the parks recently just because of the advent of school. The children and I don't get out as much, but I was also out uh, at the new waterfront park by Seaplane Lagoon and the, the new art is really fantastic. It's fun to see. And uh, also was on a ferry today, chaperoning field trip. And it is interesting to see the vantage point of the coastline as you come back into Alameda and you can see it's amazing to me how quickly the trees um, are maturing at all the different sites around Alameda. It's uh, just in a year, quite a bit of growth. Um, I also was able to catch the tail end of the Pride in the Park this past weekend. It was, I heard it before I saw it, so I lived close by, I could hear the music, and it was really interesting and fun to see so many different people. And they parked near my house to walk there to have good parking. And uh, it was like a big party. 
So it was really fun to see that um, new event and to see, you know, various people campaigning and then like fun food trucks and the children enjoying the new play space there. So it was happy to see Chochenyo Park being utilized so well. Um, and that's really it for me. Um, Commissioner Robbins was uh, unable to be here tonight, but he asked me to uh, speak for his commissioner report. Um, he said, please tell everyone, I said, the weekend was spectacular for Pride in the Park, for Pride, Alameda Pride in general. Friday, the line to get into the fireside was really long outside the front door, so we weren't able to make it in, but it looked great. Saturday was extremely well organized, and the young volunteers that went around picking up trash were a huge help. The music was great, the food trucks were plentiful, and the crowds were huge. I was there from 11.50 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Gay Straight Alliance booth that Wood Middle School procured. And the students from Wood and Ensenal High were professional and great with the public. Really amazing since it's our first event. Can't wait for next year. So that's from Commissioner Robbins. Agreed. There was no trash afterwards. It was very nice to see as a nearby resident. Um, so next up, we have our agenda items for this evening. Uh, as the director noted, we are going to switch items 6B and 6A. So first up for presentation by the commission or to the commission will be item 2022-2475, which is the review and comment on the draft Alameda Active Transportation Plan. And we have a presenter, Rochelle Wheeler. All right, Rochelle, are you there? Just getting my camera set up here. There we go. I did not realize you were doing an agenda change. I so appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, we got you off guard on that. Uh, yeah. Ah, ah, okay. This is looking, looking too much here. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Should I just start in or? Okay. Yes, please do. Go ahead and present. Excellent. Um, let's see. Can I share a screen? Oh, perfect. Um, I'm going to hope that this just switch the screens. All right. Can everyone see this, the full screen there? Yep, you're good. Okay. Awesome. Well, good evening, um, Chair and Commissioners. I'm really excited to be back here at the Rec and Parks Commission. I'm Rochelle Wheeler, Senior Transportation Coordinator with the City of Alameda. And I'm also the City's Project Manager for the Alameda Active Transportation Plan. The last time I was before this commission was two years ago in 2020 to present our draft recommendations on this plan. And I recognize some of you, and I think I see some new faces too. Um, and I'm excited to be presenting with you to you tonight our full draft plan. Um, we just released this um, about a week and a half ago on October 3rd. And um, I believe we in the staff report sent you a link to the web page where the plan is posted. Um, and the active transportation plan aims to improve walking and biking safety, comfort, and convenience. And I'm going to provide an overview of the plan. And then I'll look forward to hearing your input. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to kind of tell you where we've been, give you the overview, talk about the implementation um, portion of the plan, and then 
look forward to hearing your input. And I, I do like to start with just defining active transportation um, because it's not a term that's um, super common um, outside of transportation circles. Um, so it refers to all active modes of transportation. So that's walking, biking. Um, it also um, is part of walking, includes using wheelchairs and mobility scooters. And then it also includes push and electric scooters, electric bikes, skateboards, bike share, all, all of these different ways of getting around. Um, and this active transportation plan is updating and combining our decades old um, pedestrian master plan and our bicycle plan into one plan. Uh, we started this effort three years ago in 2019. And um, it did get delayed a bit by the pandemic and other priorities that we had. Um, but, and we are now in our third phase of outreach. Um, and um, we collected information on existing conditions and analyzed that and came up with draft recommendations, which we presented in mid 2020. And then since then, what we've done is developed an implementation strategy and project prioritization. And so I'll be presenting you with all of this tonight. Um, our community engagement was expansive. Um, from 2019 through um, the end of this year, we will have done over 45 public events meetings with local organizations and board and commission meetings. We've had online interactive maps, two different versions, which literally have gotten thousands of comments. Um, and we've done surveys and um, lots, gotten lots of input and, and great, done great outreach. And we have more to come, which I hope you will participate in. Um, so this plan, the active transportation plan, um, is implementing existing city plans. And that's really core to this. Um, we are taking the amazing, goals and policies and actions that we have in the Alameda general plan, which um, as I'm sure you guys are aware, um, there is an extensive, um, there are many goals and policies in the parks and open space section, and many of them relate to active transportation. Um, and uh, we have our um, climate action and resiliency plan, which was adopted in 2019. And then we also have our Vision Zero Action Plan, which was adopted also at the end of last year, like the, like the general plan. And together, these three plans really are, like I said, foundational for the active transportation plan. Um, the CARP, or the Climate Action and Resiliency Plan, seeks to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to 50% below 2005 levels by 2030. So it sets that specific goal. And what the general plan explains is that really to achieve that goal, Alameda has to give our residents convenient, safe, climate-friendly transportation choices and alternatives to the single occupant vehicle. And as you can see in the chart, um, over 60% of, of the trips that are made um, it, by Alameda residents are under three miles. And these are distances that are very, bikeable and the ones under one mile are, are, are much are, are quite walkable. Um, the vision of the Vision Zero Action Plan is to um, make sure people can travel safely by all modes and also to um, uh, by 2035 eliminate traffic deaths and serious injuries. And we know that bicyclists and pedestrians, although they make up a small portion of the commute commuting to work mode, only 5% um, 
62% um, of Alameda severe at crashes are uh, involved pedestrian and bicyclists. So safety is really core to this plan. Um, the plan um, is posted online and um, the sections that what you're seeing now is all links that we have on our website, activealameda.org. And um, the, um, the, we also, in addition to the full plan, you can just download specific chapters to look at them. And then we've got a section for key maps and tables. And what I'm gonna do is go through the, the major sections of the plan now and give you an, an overview of them. Um, we start with our vision and I will just read the first sentence of the two that Alameda with this plan will be a city where people of all ages, abilities, income levels and backgrounds can safely, conveniently, and comfortably walk, bike, and roll using wheelchairs, mobility scooters, and micro-mobility devices to their destinations and to transit. Um, that vision, from that vision, um, we have five core goals, and um, both the vision and goals were shared two years ago, and, and we got some some input on them and made some tweaks to them. So they're a little bit different, but they're largely the same as what we saw two years ago. That the equity goal was was refined and we really feel like that was improved based on public input. So I'm going to start now with how the plan addresses pedestrians or walking. Um, and what it does is it really it develops an approach or a strategy for how we as a city can design for um, uh, design our streets and our sidewalks and our trails and everything for for walking. Um, and it really focuses on, on enhancing our, our extensive network of, of sidewalks that we have. So we are um, kind of, we broke this down into sort of a three-step process and the tools and the plan are one, a map, which I'll show you in a minute, which um, where we've um, indicated um, that uh, are identified for every street in Alameda, one of that it's that it falls under one of five types. So we have five street types. And um, so the idea would be in doing a project, a maintenance project or a new project that you, we would look up that street, see what its street type is. And then we have a matrix um, in the plan that identifies what specific kinds of treatments can be used or are appropriate for that street type. And then with that knowledge, we would be able to then take those pieces and those different treatment types and figure out what's best for this specific street, gather public input and design the project. So there are five um, specific, oops, I'm sorry. Um, street types, and I'm sorry, I meant to make this into animation and it's showing up um, with an overlay on the bottom here. But um, there are five types and they range from neighborhood streets through um, actually gateways, which are in purple, which you can't see um, because of this thing I have at the bottom, which I'll talk about in a minute. So neighborhood streets are low volume, um, lower speed streets, and those are in the gray. And then we have neighborhood connectors, which are also often residential streets, but carry generally more traffic and crisscross the town. Uh, those are in blue. Business main streets are mainly our main commercial corridors. Um, those are in red. And business commercial streets are in black. And those are streets that are serving business parks and shopping centers. And then in purple, you'll see it's kind of how we get on and off the island. and. Um, those are called gateway streets. And what you don't see on this map, but as part of this, um, these types or this typology is 
that we also look at in addition to what kind of the street type is, we look at like what's nearby to it and we call that an overlay. And so um, community destinations is one of those categories and that includes um, community des destinations includes parks and um, libraries, hospitals, senior centers and such. And so what this overlay does is it says those streets that are immediately, I'll talk about parks, those streets that are immediately around parks or that are within one block of parks, those streets need even more priority on pedestrian safety and comfort and looking at how um, pedestrians uh, that are older or younger children are able to access that area to get directly to the parks. And in the previous version of this plan, that overlay only included the perimeter streets, but in this version, we're now saying it's the perimeter plus one block out because we know that um, kind of that, that buffer area is really important. So what this um, plan does is it would, um, again, I've kind of over, overlaid two images here, I apologize. Um, this pedestrian design matrix then takes for each of those street types and you see neighborhood street, neighborhood connector, business main, and then this section here is, sorry, covering that up. This is the overlay section. Um, for each of these street types, what are the different design treatments like raised crossings or speed humps or um, curb extensions that we would do and what are appropriate? And um, it also includes which of these design treatments are, are proven to be safe as well um, by the Federal Highway Administration. And so we would, <clears throat> and then look, we would also look at when we're designing a street, is it in one of these community destinations like a park? Um, and if so, maybe that actually means that some of these um, types of treatments that may not be appropriate otherwise actually are appropriate because safety and access for pedestrians is so important there. Um, so that is the pedestrian approach that we're taking in this plan. And I'm gonna move to the, to the bicycling network. Um, so in this plan, we're really focusing on, you'll hear a lot, low stress facilities or planning for all ages and abilities. Um, we know from doing a statistically significant survey in Alameda, that 46% of people would be um, categorized as interested but concerned about bicycling. So they may bicycle very occasionally, but they really um, will not bicycle in higher stress situations. And they um, prefer facilities where they are either separated physically from cars or they are lower volume streets where they don't have to interact with cars as much. So this... Um, this is, as you can see, the largest percentage of people. There are people who are more confident and there are people who are not at all interested in biking and walking. We are really focusing on this 46% of Alamedans who would like to bike more if it was safer. And um, we know from our outreach that a lot of people feel that way too, just from our, you know, just from all the, the community outreach we've had that people would like to, um, people, they are doing some biking, but they would like it to be safer and they would replace some of their car trips if it were safer. 
So when we talk about low stress facilities, we really mean these three types above the red line, which are shared use paths like we have through Jean Sweeney Park, separated bike lanes like you'll see on Shoreline and now on Clement, and a new category, which I'll get into in a moment, which are neighborhood greenways, which are on, on lower volume neighborhood streets. Um, and with the proposals, um, proposed bikeway facilities that we have, we would be um, taking our, 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 our current network of bike facilities, which is about half of them, of those facilities are low stress and increasing that to have three quarters of the facilities be low stress. So that's what the recommendations in this plan are. Um, so introducing neighborhood greenways, this is a new street type in Alameda. Um, in other cities, it's, they're often called bicycle boulevards. Um, you might have seen them in places like Berkeley or Palo Alto. Um, and these are streets that prioritize um, people walking and biking. Um, bicyclists and motorists are sharing the road. They aren't separated, but um, they're able to do that because through traffic calming features, and other features, um, the number of cars and the speed of cars is um, low enough that bicyclists will feel comfortable riding on them and therefore then they will be considered low stress facilities. So things like neighborhood traffic circles can be used along the streets or speed humps, um, raised crossings. In some cases, partial diverters could be used. Um, so this is something that you'll see um, in our um, proposed network at full build out, this is what we call our low stress vision network. So this shows the existing low stress facilities and then in dashed lines, the proposed ones and the orange dashed ones are all of the neighborhood greenways. So you can see that this connected network of low stress facilities really depends on those neighborhood greenways. And the idea of this full network, um, you know, we're not going to build this tomorrow, this is going to take many years to build out. But is that it provides a way for people to get around town and stay on a low stress facility and not have to move to like a high speed, uncomfortable road, but to stay on these lower stress facilities, because we know that's what people that's what get more people biking. And it also connects to destinations. And we really tried to connect to the parks and connect to the schools and connect to the commercial areas. This is the full bicycle vision network. And so this includes all the different facility types, some of which are on higher speed roads. Just wanna show that to you as well. And then I just wanna make one point because the, the council did ask us to, um, look into slow streets and what should be the future of slow streets as part of this plan. And um, so um, we looked at the existing slow streets in comparison to this network that we, low stress network we wanted to build and, um, and found that some of those slow streets are future neighborhood greenways and that we should therefore keep those slow streets and evolve them into neighborhood greenways. And that would involve taking down the barricades and putting in other things like neighborhood traffic circles and um, speed humps and things like that. There are um, two streets, Orion and Santa Clara, that are not proposed as neighborhood greenways. And therefore those um, 
would be the slow those slow streets would be removed and that's that's what's that's the um, proposal in this plan um, we also have a section on trails a chapter on trails and water crossings um, and that does include um, completing the bay trail um, and um, trail maintenance and crossing upgrades it also looks at the um, bridges that we have now and and includes making them safer and more comfortable to, for people to use. Looking at into further and continuing the design and the sorry the evaluation work we're doing for um, new a new bridge bicycle and pedestrian bridge in the west end of Alameda. That's the rendering you see in the bottom picture here. And then also looking at the feasibility of a second bike ped only bridge from between um, Bay Farm and the main island. So I'm going to now focus on um, wrap this up with looking at what is it of all of these things that we're proposing to do, what um, what should our priorities be? And this gets we did a data driven process of looking at um, where we should focus our efforts for capital projects and um, combine that with our kind of real on the ground knowledge. And that's where we came up with this plan for the next eight years on what we would focus on. Um, so we divide this into programs, which are things like education and design guidance. And we have 31 programs that are identified. And on the bottom here are three that are just examples of the 31. Um, and for each of these programs, we're um, talk about the uh, time frame for doing that and a kind of a relative cost for, for implementing these programs. We also have 31 projects to complete by 2030. Some of these would be completed by the city, some by other agencies. Some of them are already underway. And I just, there are 31, but I just wanna focus on some that I think will be of particular interest to this commission. Um, and one is at the top, this is, um, uh, to look at 8th Street and Westline Drive. Um, and um, so along the edge of Washington Park and Crown Memorial Beach Park. And um, this plan proposes that we would complete designs for um, that project for making bike and pedestrian improvements along that corridor and secure funding. So we would not have built out necessarily that project, but that we would be on our way to doing that by 2030. This shows the outcome by 2030 column is what we would be doing. It also includes constructing the path through Neptune Park um, and um, trail maintenance and upgrades, which would be um, all around the island um, and also would include looking at upgrading trail crossings of roadways. Um, and this is something that I know the Rec and Parks is already doing and Amy and I are in discussion about and with Public Works about doing even more of that and investing more heavily in that. Um, and then popping in here, we also have Northern Waterfront Bay Trail Gap Closures at number 30. So that's mostly constructed by property owners and a lot of that is underway. But, you know, building out the Bay Trail on that Northern Waterfront where the developments are going in. And this number 11, which is Bay Farm Bike Bridge Access Upgrades. So that's looking at the paths on either side of that um, bike bridge. Um, 
and looking at um, upgrading the path surfaces, the um, street crossings and um, access to the bridge on either side and including some maintenance upgrades to the existing wooden bridge on the Bay Farm side. Um, and lastly, a key part of this low, uh, of this 31 projects is building out um, what we were calling the low stress backbone network or the 2030 low stress backbone network. And this is a subset of that vision network that I showed before, which was at full build out. And this is what we think we can realistically do in the next eight years is, is fill in these dashed lines with low stress facilities. So that as you can see, it forms kind of a skeleton or a big grid for getting around the island. And um, it includes a lot of new north-south um, connectors, which really the, our bikeway networks have lacked that. And um, this would really you know, serve the most people and we, we feel like make the most impact. So that is an overview of the plan. I know it's a lot. Thank you for um, your patiently listening to all of that. Um, uh, we are in the midst of getting community comment on this plan and that comment deadline is through um, the week from Sunday, October 23rd. Then our um, intent is to turn that around and release a final draft plan by November 7th. Take that to the Transportation Commission on November 16th and then um, take for council adoption on December 6th. All of this information that I presented and the plan and all the opportunities for public input are on our project webpage, activealameda.org. I encourage you and the public that's listening um, to go there and please provide feedback. We also have a survey that you can fill out to give your input or you can email it um, to us. And I just wanna highlight um, this Sunday from 1.30 to 3.30 at the main library on Oak Street. Uh, we are having an in-person open house. It's just a you know stop in whenever kind of event. And I encourage you to come by and I look forward to hearing your questions and your comments. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. Wheeler, for presenting. I was here two years ago or three years ago when you first presented, so I can see the changes. Um, do any of the commissioners have any questions or comments? Start off. We've seen, I know this is a new presentation, at least two commissioners. Commissioner Lynn? Um, yes, I just had a question. Um, Rochelle, are you familiar with the see it? click it, fix it, like app that like tells, like how does that incorporate? And, and so for those who are not aware, it's an application where if you see any issues with like, you know, trash on your street or like particularly as it relates to this, any issues that you're like, okay, I think the street needs a little bit more development, a red curve or something like that. That's kind of what I'm talking about. How is that feedback? Cause that's def definitely coming from the public. How is that incorporated with the plan? Um, that's my first question. Um, and my second question is the slow streets. Um, well, first I should also say this is a great plan. I'm excited about kind of what what it comes, what the fruition will be for Alameda. Um, but the slow streets, if, if say you're on a slow street and um, you know, how would could you recommend if someone is going to be have a speed bump versus a greenway, or if or if you're not on a slow street and you want that greenway, how does one go about it? And is that through public comment? I'm curious if you can share um, kind of those, you know, your answers to those two. Um, that's me. Thank you. 
Great. Thank you so much for those questions. Um, for the first one about C-Click Fix, yes, I'm very familiar with it. Um, we are, um, uh, I would say for this particular plan, we did not look so much at C-Click Fix because we had, it was actually, we, we have, we had our own interactive maps that we created that we collected input on somewhat like C-Click Fix does. In 2019 and 20, early 2020, we had people actually like pinpoint areas that they saw were problematic and where they saw gaps and where they didn't feel safe writing. And so we incorporated all of that information into the recommendations that were in the, what's in the plan now. Um, ongoing, um, I would say that the city, when we're developing projects, when we're deciding what projects to work on, or we have a project, we are referring to the, that input that we get through C-ClickFix and saying, okay, we know we want to do this. And then looking here, what, what is the public saying? What are we hearing? And they're, wow, five people have, you know, issues with this one intersection, like we didn't, you know, maybe we didn't think of that or something. So we're incorporating that as we move projects forward. Um, uh, for your second question about slow streets, um, I, it sounded like maybe there were two parts. I know one part was what if you're not a slow street, kind of like how do you get benefits? But was there another part to that question? Right, because it sounded like there was certain street. There was one street that you mentioned that is definitely not going to be a greenway, but then other ones were up for discussion. So, how if you're living on the slow street, or how do you kind of make recommendations, mm -hmm. you know, to the plan on this if if it's not recommended for that street for some reason? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, we looked at in developing um and in, in considering the slow streets we looked at first we kind of just stepped back and looked at the whole network and what network do we need um in terms of this you know creating this low stress network which included the neighborhood greenways and and then we looked at like how do the slow streets overlap with that so we didn't say like do we value each slow street it was like what is it that we want to have ultimately for the city since the slow streets were put in very quickly generally on existing bike routes so they were already facilities that are generally used by um and recommended for for bicycling um and and so what we found that was, like I said, that there was the overlap for three streets, which are um, Versailles, Pacific, and San Jose. So those streets we would transition to be the neighborhood greenways over time. The other streets, um, Santa Clara is an existing bike route. And then there's a section of the slow street where it's proposed to be a bike route. And um, we did not recommend that street to be um, a neighborhood greenway because there's a very large project that's going to be putting in on Central Avenue that's going to be putting in separated bike lanes, which are also a low stress facility, and that's a block away. And we felt like that would provide that connectivity um, that we needed in that area. So this street would still be a bike route. It just wouldn't get the extra investments of the neighborhood greenway. I will say, um, you know, there's that is an east-west street, and there are neighborhood greenways that cross it going north-south. And so at those intersections, there could be improvements made, which would then would be benefiting also um, Santa Clara. So um, 
and then Orion Street is the second street we're not recommending. And right now that's like about a two block um, slow street. And that street we will be installing speed humps on, which has always been intended. So even though we'll be taking out those barricades, we will be putting in speed humps. And then the long term, um, when, when that area is developed, there will be separated bike lanes on Orion as well. And that's what's planned. Um, and then if people are living on other streets, um, in terms of getting traffic calming devices or needing traffic calming, that's something that we would just evaluate on a on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. uh, Commissioner Alexander, Commissioner Jones, do you have any comments or questions from the viewers? I I have a question. Um, thanks for your presentation. Um, you had mentioned um, the North-South Street. Um, and so in doing, it is, what, is there a plan for the North-South Street? So, because a lot of the North-South Streets are streets and they're very narrow. So, so Willow comes to mind, Walnut. Um, so for the, the streets that run, so, let me ask it a different way, is the focus on the avenues more so than the streets? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, for the east-west uh, streets that, you know, we've kind of already tackled, like, or are tackling, like Central Avenue, Clement, Shoreline, they tend to be wider streets, so they, they're, they're kind of even though I would say those are all really have been big projects in some ways, they've been somewhat the lower hanging fruit because when you have that much width, there's a lot more possibilities of what you can do. And our North South streets, like you said, tend to be narrower. Um, so generally what we're proposing are the using the local neighborhood streets um, and turning those into neighborhood greenways. So that low stress network map that I showed earlier, which I, I could bring up again, but it includes, um, generally, um, uh, quieter neighborhood streets that are running north-south, like Ninth Street is one of them, St. Charles, uh, uh, Versailles, um, and Fifth uh, Street and Third Street. So um, those are the streets. So they are um, not typically the busier streets. Grand Street and Fernside are included. Grand Street is currently um, the lower portion south of, of Encinal is being recommended, um, possi possibly will be recommended by council for having separated bike lanes. And then we're also recommending Fernside. So I hope that, does that, does that get to your question? Yes, it does. Okay, thank great. You very much. Mm -hmm. I just wanna thank you for your presentation. Mm -hmm. um, I tend not to drive down Shoreline anymore because of the way it's been changed. Um, but when I ha go, have been down there, what what do we do about how do we educate the people to be, stay in the bike lanes? When you have people that are not in the bike lanes driving you know, on their bikes down Shoreline while I'm trying to drive, do you have an education component in here too to try to educate people and what can we do about mm -hmm. that? It's yeah. very dangerous. Yeah, so we um, 
we have definitely have an education component um, and that's one of the programs we actually have current education that the city is funding um, for adults and teens and then we're funding um, bicycle education and bike, bike safety education in um, fifth grade classes and our goal is actually to annually we're not up to this yet but to annually teach all fifth graders in alameda about safe bike riding and um, so there are a lot of educational opportunities um, we'd like to do more um, i think that um getting um more compliant behavior from from bicyclists and is is partially dependent on them also having bicyclists having safe um comfortable facilities to bike on that typically comes up with like sidewalk riding when bicyclists are riding on sidewalk it's it's usually because they don't there's no place for them to ride in the street and they don't feel safe. So if we build these facilities, it can kind of induce that behavior we want. So that's a piece of it. And it's definitely not all of it, but um, also when we're building these separated facilities, um, uh, bicyclists are still vehicles and they can still use, are considered vehicles and they can still use the roadway. They're not prohibited from using the roadway. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I'll go uh, last. Thank you for presenting. Mm -hmm. I, I was here a few years ago when you first presented some of these ideas. And um, I'm my family falls squarely in that 46% of people who would love to bike more. But we have younger children who are just now getting comfortable without training wheels, for example. And uh, I know that my children in particular refused to ride apart from any sort of bike. bike lane. We did manage to get to Franklin Park from our house using closed streets, but it still felt a bit dicey. Um, so I'm really happy to see what's going on. And I know from an educator's perspective, Wednesday was International Walk and Roll School Day. And so bike safety and pedestrian safety has been on my mind. And then those of many parents in Alameda as we navigated how to get to school safely and using active transportation. Um, I just have a quick question and maybe this is pretty obvious. I know that this is a draft transportation plan that wants to be implemented, um, but some of the calming measures that have already been in place, um, for example, in my neighborhood, there have been the, I guess, the daylighting, like the red curbs painted at intersections, as well as some of the separated bike lanes. Is this part of an earlier version of this plan or is that a separate plan by the city? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we we have existing an existing bike plan from um, 2010. So that had some recommendations in it, which are part of what, you know, the, the bikeways that are getting implemented now, like on Central Avenue are based on that um, and Clement as well. Um, and then um, we just continually are, you know, trying to move projects forward, um, it, like the daylighting projects that you saw that that mainly has come out of, um, uh, you know, just uh, very clear um, safety benefits of doing the daylighting and understanding that um, with our actually with, with the adoption of the Vision Zero policy, even before the Vision Zero Action Plan was implemented that that 
accelerating that work would be beneficial for safety. So we should start start doing it right of way. So I would say those projects that you're seeing now and noticing are coming out of existing plans and policies. Follow-up question. Mm -hmm. I know that this presentation is informational in nature to promote community feedback um, as it goes to city council for adoption. If this isn't adopted as presented, are there some elements that are in the older plans that will still, I guess, does, does this, if it's not adopted, I guess, can it be modified? Will some of these things still happen? Is this an all or nothing proposition? Mm -hmm. Well, um, obviously, we hope that by the time we get to council, the whole plan would get adopted. But um, we also know that um, things can get changed along the way. Um, I would say it's um, given my experience in Alameda and is that, you know, it, it would get adopted in some form. We might be asked to make some changes at the council level, obviously before that as well. And that's why we're getting public comment. But I, I, I think that um, some of our funding streams actually require that we have and we're um, updated plans regularly and we're, we're kind of way overdue on that. And I don't think we, you know, have a lot more room to just, we can't just say, oh, we're not going to have any new plans. We're just going to use the old ones. We really have to for funding purposes as well. A lot of the, the funding we get is from the countywide transportation sales tax. And we actually are supposed to be updating our plan every five years. So we're very, very overdue for this. And so we will have to adopt some sort of a plan. And it will be up to the council on what gets included in that plan. Okay, thank you. I bring that up just because I know as a commissioner, and I believe other commissioners, as it relates to our function, we get a lot of comments on safety and routes and ingress mm -hmm. and egress to the parks um, in Alameda. So it's up to us to kind of know what's going on and what may or may not be coming down the pipe. So thank you for presenting. Yeah, and on that point, you know, and I know C-Click Fix came up as well. Um, there is a there is a category called street safety concern, and I would definitely direct people to that because that that's the one where we're sort of collecting all of this input. So, thank you. Uh, if there mm -hmm. are any more questions or comments, um, I'd like to say thank you to Mueller for presenting and let you go. Could we first, Chair Navarro, just make sure uh, to check for public comment? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, any public comments relating to this agenda item? Yes, so if anyone in the public, please raise your virtual hand if you would like to speak on this item. Uh, nope, no comments. Thank you. Uh, I oh, wait, I'm sorry. Someone just raised their hand. Hold on. <laughs> One moment. Speaker Fuller. Um, yes, actually, I just sent the question in on chat, and that's my question is on, on chat, which is if um, an association strongly believes that they need some stop signs and some or caution signs and things like that, but they keep being told that, <laughs> that uh, we don't have enough traffic uh, consistently, is there any way that they can work with the city or you people or whatever to actually fund putting them in. Most people don't seem to want to have speed bumps, but they do want to have stop signs at certain, I, on 
I'm being very specific, Eshore. <laughs> the people who know the school, Lincoln School, in the morning and the afternoon, they drop their kids off, and then they barrel on down East Shore. And then they almost come to a screeching halt at the curve and can kill someone. Someday it's going to be, all we want to do is have some stop signs to make it slower. Um, and we keep being turned down. There's not enough traffic. Well, can we pay for it? Can we work with someone to do that? Thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, so I work with the city and I, you know, I, also, and so I, I probably it sounds like you've talked to some people at the city about this. Um, hopefully you've also used that C click fix method to put in your traffic safety concern. And, um, you know, we do look at those as we have projects happening. Um, uh, if it's a public street, people can't put in stop signs um, on their own. Um, and um, I can't speak to what you've heard before about that street, but I can say in relation to this plan that East Shore Street is a proposed neighborhood greenway in the active transportation plan. Um, and that's in part because, um, you know, we are trying to build the Bay Trail and there is, it's not possible because of the property along the waterway to have the trail at the waterfront there. But there are some access points off of East, East Shore. And so we would like to make that a neighborhood greenway so people can safely access that. And that would mean um, having slower traffic. Um, you know, we look at the specific street and um, I talked about that pedestrian matrix and there's things that sort of a very similar process, whether it's pedestrians or bicyclists, it's looking at what the issue is and then what's the best device to, to address that. And, Generally, um, you know, traffic, well, traffic uh, stop signs are not considered traffic calming devices. And so um, they're, so generally we would not use those, unfortunately. I know that's what you're looking for, but um, we would use other things to slow traffic. Okay, thank you, Speaker Kohler, and thank you, Ms. Wheeler, for answering. Um, I think in general, this is a Q&A, so I appreciate your answering questions. Um, if we don't have any more public comments, we'll go ahead and say thank you and move on to our next agenda item. Um, this is sort of big one. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, next up, and I apologize again that my mic's kind of low. My husband's sending me messages saying it's my laptop, but we are going to go ahead and move to Previously 6A, which is now 6B, uh, the review to review and recommend the Recreation and Parks Department 2023 annual user fee schedule. So I'll let Director Wildridge present. Great. Thank you, Chair Navarro. Uh, let me share screen to a presentation. Great. So uh, what you have before you tonight is the recreation and park user fee schedule. These are all the fees that we charge um, for 2023. So for the calendar year of 2023, um, our user fees because of our summer camps aren't implement are not implemented on the fiscal year, but instead are implemented on the calendar year. So for some background, um, we always have challenges, um, some ongoing challenges of, uh, that impacted the, the fees that we looked at. Um, 
we do have costs increasing annually for staff. We have a minimum wage ordinance here. Um, so our costs for staff, uh, part-time staff in particular, uh, went up 5%. We'll go up another 5% next year. Um, and we, ARPD actually has 90% of the part-time workforce for the city of Alameda. We have um, between two and 300 part-time staff, depending on the season. Um, also, as has been happening very wide, worldwide, really, um, other direct costs have been going up for a variety of reasons. You know, we have inflation increasing, our facility costs are going up, our supplies are going up. Um, and we, what we do is we look at all of that and then we balance um, what the market demand is and, and how we can cover our costs. So that what that equals, as I have here, is an incremental fee increases. Um, and we really looked at that this year. We've gotten feedback in past years that we would, what we would do is we would target specific programs um, to increase. And, and what we did this year is we did an across the board 5% increase for most of our programs. Um, we did not increase our facility and picnic rental fees because we looked at those, our facility rental, um, we looked at those in comparison to other comparable cities and uh, we're already at market rate for those. So we did not want to increase those further. Uh, we work off a cost recovery model. Uh, we are not at 100% cost recovery. City Council does not expect us to be at 100% cost recovery. But what that means is we are always considering how we can um, cover our costs uh, to the best of our ability. And so what this is before you is, is a pretty standard cost recovery model in which um, at the bottom, the, the biggest uh, largest section of the triangle is what is the high community benefit. These are uh, programs that serve a lot of people. They are free and low cost, often for uh, disadvantaged people in our community. So that would, and, and people that have um, maybe uh, uh, like seniors have uh, a set income, uh, a fixed income. So Massac Senior Center, we offer a lot of free programs, many uh, low cost programs. We have free summer baseball each year, and we have our free mobile recreation program. Um, so those we consider to be high community benefits. So the, because those are free or low cost, they do still have a, an expense associated for us, um, but we're not um, recovering those costs. Uh, then in the middle section, you have um, ones programs that basically essentially uh, cover their cost or make a small profit. Um, and those are our, our generally our summer camps and our tiny tots, our after school programs, our classes. Um, and then at the top, you have individual benefit. And those are where we are making more profit. And that profit is used on the whole to offset the free or low cost programs. Um, so those might be adult softball, uh, other adult sports, facility rentals, specialty camps like Lego camps, uh, ones that you're choosing to, uh, to, to, to access those programs. Um, I actually should say 2023 at the top, so my apologies, but these are revised fees for 2023. Um, so on the left, it lists the fee type, uh, and on the right, what our proposed fee is. Um, in your packet is the entire detailed um, fee schedule that has uh, all of our fees with one column of what the existing 2022 fee is and what the proposed 23 fee is. Um, so for our Fields, these are all of our youth Alameda youth organizations. They're all nonprofits. 
Um, they, they currently are charged $7 an hour and we're proposing to charge uh, $8 an hour. Um, for field light use, we actually, those are for athletic fields. Um, we, we took a hard look at that and, and did an analysis based on our actual PG, uh, sorry, our actual AMP uh, Alameda Municipal Power costs um, and how much we're spending on the light and so uh, on the electricity. And so that $36 an hour before you uh, is actually to recover our costs for that. We were previously losing money on that field light use. Uh, the Alameda Point Gym, uh, there was an agreement with council uh, prior to the pandemic in 2019 uh, for a, a three-year incremental increase on the gym. We were working to get the gym rates up closer to comparable to other gyms um, and to, to cover our costs, um, but the fee rate at the hike at the time was considered too high, so it was over three years. That A pause was put on that in 2021 um, because council felt that, that um, due to the pandemic, and uh, the gym not being uh, open for a period of time that, that these organizations were still trying to uh, recover. And so it was put on pause. So we're in the third year of that three-year uh, increase. And so it's bringing the practice to $38 an hour and the game and tournaments um, to $45 an hour. And the reason it's slightly higher for games and tournaments is because there's more impact on the facility. There's significantly more people um, so that's using more supplies in the restrooms, there's more cleanup, um, so it's, it's more impact on our staff and facilities. Um, the O Club, we're having more and more issues with um, large rentals that leave uh, a huge mess or that uh, stuff things down the toilets. We've had it completely overflow and have sewage into the hallways. We've had a lot of issues recently um, with damages at the O Club. So we're increasing the security deposit to $1,500 per event. Uh, it is fully refundable. So if your event goes great, then you get the $1,500 back. Um, we also are increase, increasing the event setup cleanup. This is an optional fee. Uh, if you want us to do your setup and cleanup, then it's $250 that is done for us by a contractor. So the contractor raised their rate. So again, this is just covering that cost. Uh, we also are increasing our tennis lessons. Uh, this is a cost per lesson um, to the rates you see before you. Uh, this is still significantly well below uh, other market rate in the area such as Harbor Bay Club. Um, but we feel that you know we're not a private club. We wanna be able to provide uh, uh, cost affordable options for our community. But, uh, we recently increased the, the pay rates for instructors to make sure they were uh, comparable because we have fantastic instructors and we wanted to make, uh, you know, retain them. And so we are increasing these a little bit. Um, Club Underground, that's our, our, our teen, uh, teen uh, underground program for both after school and summer. During after school, we transport, we have a van with a staff person that picks kids up at the local middle schools and brings them to club, uh, the Club Underground at the Veterans Building. It was $2 uh, per youth one way, and we're increasing it to four because we, again, did the analysis on the gas cost, and this covers our cost by, at $4 per youth uh, for the average of how many kids we're transporting. Um, as I mentioned, overall, we did 5% program increases across the board on what you see before you for our athletic field rentals. 
um, not including for our Alameda Youth Organizations, but for all of our other field rentals for private resident, non-resident, and synthetic turf, um, which is Estuary Park. We also did 5% on our pool rentals, our swim lessons, adult sports, all of our youth programs, and uh, our tennis lessons that you saw before you were increased 10% for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Some new fees for 2023. Um, we added, I mentioned that $8 an hour for field use. Uh, it's a very low fee. And so we have added to be compared to be have a similar framework as the gym, we've added a camp tournament uh, higher rate. Uh, what that means is if you have a local youth club um, that maybe soccer club, for example, if they are doing their regular um, season games and practices, those would all be at the $8 an hour rate. <clears throat> if they choose to do a spring break specialty camp where they're charging $400 per child to do that camp and bringing in you know, a, a special coach, um, that is, at, uh, we've increased that to a higher rate um, with differential rates for grass and turf, synthetic turf. Uh, we also are adding uh, Facility rentals for Mastic Senior Center, we're, we've gotten a, a real increase in interest for um, outside groups to rent Mastic Senior Center classrooms. Uh, and so we're really trying, as I mentioned in my director's report, we're really trying to activate Mastic um, in the evenings and weekends more. Um, we already have a social hall, our, our large, which is our large, um, largest space at Mastic, and we already have a rate for that but we did not have a rate for our other classrooms. So that's what you see before you. And then the associate uh, security deposit. Uh, that concludes my report and I'm happy to answer any questions. Great, thank you. Uh, commissioners, does anyone have any questions or comments? Or I, should say, I should say questions on the fee schedule presented? Uh, Vice Chair Alexander. Um, thank you, Director Woodridge, for your hard work. I know staff's put a lot of time and energy into that. Um, you know, looking at the rates in other cities, I think our rates are very, very comparable and lower in most instances. Um, I agree with the 5% increase that you had to put in. I think we need to cover our costs. Um, I think that opening up Mastic Center and be renting out those rooms is a good idea. Um, and, I, I, and again, I said our $8 an hour for the girls to have their softball practice, is pretty, very, very reasonable. Um, and I think that we can keep those rates low as long as we're not putting ourselves too much in the hole cost-wise, but it seems like with the analysis that you've done with staff that everything kind of balances out. So it's pretty equitable. Um, so I, I, I like what I see and thanks for all of your hard work. Thank you. Commissioner Nguyen. Um, I wanna echo what uh, Commissioner Alexander had mentioned regarding the report. I think I really appreciate just seeing kind of where what we're charging um, or proposing and then also what um, other cities in our nearby areas. I just had a question on the food truck fee. That was the only one that I had a question on in particular. Can you just share a little bit about kind of where the, like, is it just like city events that has food trucks? I just didn't know where that was coming from. Um, the one at the very bottom? Yep. Of the, yep. 
Um, yeah, that is if we have a, an event, um, how much we would charge the f operator of the food truck to be at the event, and then they keep all of their proceeds and profits for the event. Okay, got it. That was it. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Jones, did you have any questions or comments regarding the fee schedule? Uh, great report. I don't have any questions. The report looks great. Thanks for sharing it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for putting this together uh, for people that may be watching at home. You can actually click the links on the agenda and get a really detailed breakdown of comparable recreation facility districts and what they charge for comparable programming, um, as well as the specific increases by line items, so something like this, um, which is available to the public, which I found actually really um, edifying because I wasn't sure where we were in relation to other rec and park districts. Um, I did have one question, and this is just a very general question regarding fees that you may know, Director Wooldridge. Generally, are most of our fees generated from residents or non-residents? And is there a particular fee grouping, like the high benefit, low cost to residents? Is that mainly used by Alamedans? Like where do we tip the scales in terms of outside versus residents? Right, we have here, because we're an island, we actually have a really high rate of uh, residential use. Um, all of our, we did an adjustment last year to ensure that all of our resident all of our non-resident rates are at least 15 to 20% higher than the resident rates. But in that analysis, we found that it was only about 5%, um, at most 7% or so of non-residents that utilize our programs. And those tend to be people who work here um, and bring their children with them, say, for, the, for summer camp. Um, but something like, for example, our after-school programs uh, really are heavily um, uh, resident. Uh, the only other ones I would say have a slightly higher non-resident uh, are some of our adult sports, um, basically, especially the teams. Um, we find a lot of those folks come from, not a lot, there are larger portions that come from outside of Alameda for, say, adult softball, for example. However, the way we currently manage the registration, we only take the registration from the team manager. So we don't do the detailed roster. They collect all the fees from them, their players. So it's, it's almost more, um, you know, through word of mouth that we hear that there's more non-residents, but we're, we're not necessarily tracking it that way in our system. Um, so overall, we're, as I mentioned, very high at about 95% residents. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, commissioners, our job is to have any comments or changes to this as we and then to recommend the adoption of the fee schedule by city council. So first take public comment. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, first time. Do we uh, have public comment on this agenda item? So anyone would like to speak, please raise your virtual hand. And we have no public comment. Thank you, Chair. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, no would anyone like to make a recommendation regarding the fee schedule to city council. I'll go. Um, I motion to approve the, um, the fee schedule as um, presented. I'll second. All right. Moved by Commissioner Nguyen and seconded by Vice Chair Alexander. Uh, could we have a vote, please? 
Yes. Commissioner Wen. Yes. Commissioner Jones. Yes. And Vice Chair Alexander. Yes. And Chair Navarro. Yes. Okay. Thank you all. All right. Uh, moving on, the next item on tonight's agenda is items for the next agenda. Uh, do any of the commissioners have anything they'd like to have put onto the next agenda? Director Wildridge, is there anything you'd like to let us know that might be coming up? I do have a few. Um, one is I've been working with the local um, tennis groups and we are working to update the tennis and pickleball court rules and, and regulations. Those haven't been updated in many, many years, actually. It predates me, so over 10 years. Um, so I think those will be really good and positive uh, changes. And so I'd like to bring that to you in November for your final approval. Um, as I mentioned previously, I also plan to bring to you a report on the BMX park feasibility study and then a discussion on next steps. Um, the last thing I plan to bring forward is um, uh, concepts on op possibilities for the Ensenal uh, campground. So that's the old Navy campground near Ensenal Beach and Ensenal um, boat ramp. And uh, we've discussed in the past um, potentially doing requests for proposals to see if there are any private operators interested in, in, in developing and managing that campground. And so I'd like to bring to you concepts to see uh, what you may or may not be interested in moving forward with. So it'll be a high-level conceptual discussion. Okay. Do any other commissioners have any items they'd like agendized for the next meeting? Commissioner Nguyen? Um, so I know we had a long discussion about the dog parks and kind of agreed, but I, I think that, you know, just after reflecting after last meeting, I really think that we should revisit this topic. Um, I, I think that there's an opportunity to look at different proposals. Um, and so I just was hoping that this commission would be willing to take this on again, because um, I think there's a lot of public interest and I I would hate to, not hate, but I would um, prefer not to wait until the, the building of the other park where we allocated the funds to. So I was hoping that we can revisit the topic just probably just one more last time. Um, that would be my recommendation. Director Wildridge. Um, it, it's up to the commission if you'd like to do that. Um, what I would do is bring back all of uh, the locations we've looked at before. I can tell you, um, essentially list all of the locations we've looked at um, from the start. Um, and, and then it's, so it, it's up to the commission. The, a vote's been taken, and um, but if the commission wants to relook at anything or relook at any of the um, sites, it's up to you. It's your, it's your purview. Okay. Yeah. My understanding was at the last meeting, I think we voted 4-0 to table this. So I would, I would hesitate to bring it back up without any new information. Um, I'm not sure what the process is. Um, yeah, I don't have new information. Um, the process could, uh, the process would be of whether or not to bring it forward. The process uh, because this is a, a, an item on your agenda now, you can take a vote as a group of whether or not you'd like to agendize this for a, a future meeting. And can I just share um, 
a few comments here. Um, I did take a look. I got. I know that um, Director Rowage, the last time we talked about this, um, there was one idea of possibly looking at other possible parks, right? But then you mentioned that some of them are not feasible um, just because there's no water, et cetera. But I know when I took a look at, at Godfrey as an example, there's a lot of space. And I know that was also mentioned as a possibility that you did maybe did not assess and maybe if I'm mistaken on this but I think there's some opportunity there and I know we did talk about it before and I know we did take a vote so thank you chair for, for reminding me of that but I just think that um, there is a need in the community and I think that um, a, the last time with the last meeting we've heard a lot from a lot of the HOAs and I think a lot of the dog park dog owners did not come and kind of speak. Maybe they didn't realize that we're bringing it back again. That I I just think that there's an opportunity there, um, just to have this agendized again. Um, Those are both good points. Um, on on the Godfrey one, I will say um, we we did look at it. Um, I can bring it back in more detail. There's only 8,000 square feet, actually less, I want to off the top of my head, I think 6,000 square feet of actual available space. I know when you walk out to Godfrey, it looks like a whole bunch of grass. Um, but when we're in soccer season, um, there's they use that whole grass area as two soccer fields. Um, so that is actively used. So it would take away a soccer field if we were to build a, um, a dog park there. Um, and regarding the dog park owners, they did know about it. I informed and, and one of the representatives of the East End Dog Park the group uh, was, was there and he spoke, uh, Mr. Jeff Canberra. Um, I don't know why they had let folks know that, 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 that it was on the agenda. Um, I don't know why folks didn't come out because since then there has been more communication. Um, I've met with the two, um, folks from that group and they've been sending information out to their group. Um, and, and those folks have been pushing support toward the, the dog park at Tilden Way um, because they, they heard what the, because they were informed what the vote was from the commission. And so they were uh, starting to write letters in, in that regard. But I don't know why they didn't come out when we had our last meeting. Yeah, and I didn't, I'm not to say that you didn't do your due diligence there. And I remember him, you know, speaking on behalf of the, you know, hundreds of people that, um, that, that, that signed that document initially. So, I mean, that, I don't know if, if there's anyone else wants to comment, but that's just, I would like to just bring that back um, to the commission, um, just to, just to kind of relook at it again, if possible. Did you want to make a motion to agendize that then? Sure. I'm happy to make a motion to agendize um, re-looking at the dog park on the east end. Okay. Is there a second? You know, I'll second uh, uh, Commissioner Wen's uh, motion. Um, I think it's a, a, you know, a conversation that we should have and, you know, I don't, you know, not to, you know, belabor the point, but maybe if there's some other uh, locations that we haven't addressed, maybe that might be a good, you know, a good key point to discuss. Okay, uh, there's a motion on the table. Can I get a roll call vote? Uh, yes, Commissioner Wen. Yes. Commissioner Jones. Yes. 
Uh, Vice Chair Alexander. No. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. No. Uh, Chair Navarro. No. No. Okay, so since we only have four com commissioners, um, we don't have majority, so it doesn't pass when it's a two to two vote. All right. Um, I have a, a comment. During one of the discussions on where to put a dog park, I know that Tawada Park was one of the suggestions and we thought that was not a good place. But in that conversation, I believe there was someone I brought up the fact that maybe we could relook at Tawada Park for some redesign there and make it a little more uh, appealing. Do you remember that, um, Director Woolridge? Was we did it. One of, the, one of those meetings I mentioned that I talked to the Tawada family and, and they have an interest in, in seeing the park improved. Um, uh, yes, it's not currently on our project plan, um, but, but what I would recommend actually is in December, um, at our December meeting, uh, per the general plan, we need to be doing an annual review of our park priorities. And so I'm going to bring to you in December, I'm gonna start doing that every December and I'll bring to you what all of our park projects and plans are and then uh, what our priorities are, but then you can uh, take that and have a public discussion of whether that should be reprioritized. Okay, thank you. So my understanding is that if we want to bring the dog park back as a priority and exploration of Tilden Park, for example, we can bring that up at the December meeting. Uh, yes, you can. Uh, a dog park can certainly be in the, in the priority discussion. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Were there any other items for the November agenda? Okay. All right. I guess with that being done, um, with no further business, we can go ahead and adjourn the meeting at 8.44 p.m. Great. See you all. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you.